welcome to a very special Critical Ditto. I, I mean, I say very special. It's not really. It's it's pretty standard. But Ali's not in the room with us. Nope. Ali is in another room recording on his own mic, which is all a very exciting experiment. Mm. And we're all thrilled to bring you this breakthrough in podcast technology, which surely has never been done before. <laughs> no, Ali's sick. Ali's, Ali's super sick. And my wife is literally 40 weeks plus two days pregnant. And... She was like, if I get sick before going into labour, I will kill you all. That mad woman prioritised her baby above this Pokemon podcast. Before right? our baby. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny is going to have a very husky Irish accent this week. My name is Stuart, and I'm running the game. I'm Ali, and I'm going to attempt to play Kenny with the sound of razor blades in his throat. And I have a Rowlet and a Magikarp. My name's David, I'm playing Theo and understudy Kenny, and in terms of Pokemon, I have got a Meditite, a Swaddle, and a Kabuto. And I'm Tom, and I'm playing Brandy, and I have a Baneri and a Skaroopy. Lovely. And also, everyone's playing various other characters in our already bloated cast. It's time to kill off some characters. <laughs> so what happened last time? Let's just quickly remind ourselves. Previously, on Critical Ditto... Andros. I'm so sorry. I should help me. You push me down the stairs, mate. To make it up to me, all you got to do is you impress that there in that fight. There might be a dude here who can help you out. Brandy defeated. Winner, Heron. As Teddy the Ursaring is carrying off your defeated comrades, you see Paladin. Theo, I think you see a glimpse. Brandy's waving at you like, Paladins, Paladins. As Theo is talking over Asta, who is not making eye contact, but is still sort of gazing at her piece of paper, they just go, help. And Psyduck just, yeah, just floats back up to the top, utterly defeated. Andros, anime shot, it's that dark, dark across his forehead, you can't see his eyes. Swim with me, Bowtie! And Kenny jumps into the pool with Bowtie. Boosh, this blur, and you see this monstrous form in front of you. Andros completes his transformation and dives into the water as well. Kenny has just won possibly the most exciting Pokemon battle of his life, of the entire tournament so far, possibly. Um, oh, I think the Zigzagoon on Zigzagoon would care to <laughs> argue with that one, but sure. All right, they have a case, they have a case. But this was a very exciting match. Kenny came out on top. Andros, one of the firm favourites, the swimming prodigy of Surfloat Town, rinsed, ironically, by Kenny and his Rowlet, and then seemed to be overcome by something and had this crazy transformation into a Golduck-human merman hybrid, the likes of which many people, I think, would never have seen, and dived into the pool within the pool biome and confronted Kenny under the water. And I think we open entirely on this scene. So before we just look beneath the surface of the water and Kenny, what is happening in the biome around us? Because obviously there is an audience. Mm. Obviously, there's a judging panel in which Theo is involved. This is probably a moment where Theo's having a real moment considering how excited he is by general supernature. They have just witnessed something quite intense. Yes, so give me, give me a flavour of how Theo's feeling and the general scene within the biome. I mean, how long did we have before Andros plunged into the water? Like, we saw some of the transformation occur above. I would say the only person to have seen the full Merman-Golduck hybrid would be Kenneth. So yeah, you would have seen something going on. And I think maybe there's some exclaims from the crowd, yeah, maybe some sure. murmurs. But it's that feeling where everyone in the crowd is hushed and poised, but no one's actually made a dart for anything yet. It's that kind of hiatus before things really kick into gear. I presume that people will probably start ushering people out. There's, an there's another match beginning. You Great. Can, but you can feel that everybody's going to leave the room and the conversation is going to be the same yeah. with every group. And I also imagine that Andros's keeper the mysterious woman in the sarong from earlier. The mysterious Frey. You don't mysterious see mysterious Frey. Frey in the biome. Okay. But I think Theo doesn't see anything except for the water. I think Theo is focused entirely on that because after years and years of studying the idea that there is something beyond the world of people and Pokemon, within the space of a week, we've now experienced two people with special powers, something that Theo has only known with the power of conduits. So as Theo's gaze directed down onto the rippling water where the foam and bubbles of Andros's dive into the pool still appear, we cut under the water to a scene below the waves. Kenny, Andros looks out of control. 
it's almost like parts of his body, his humanoid blue-skinned torso, this even darker blue gold up tail. Parts of it are rippling, they look unstable, uh, watery pulses flowing around his forearms and all sorts, ready to be unleashed without a second thought, and he definitely doesn't seem in control of these things. And as you see his arm go back, almost as if to fire a pulse upwards, I'm going to ask you what Kenny does in this situation. Rowlett was turned into a water type, right? Yes. We also established that there was a connection between this swimming pool and the water fountain area, atrium area below. We did. Kenny thinks may well be empty, seeing as everyone is either here or in the contestant area. So Kenny is going to quickly ask Rowlett to thrash up as much water as Bowtie can to try to create a bit of a distraction and try to block people from seeing what can happen under the water because Kenny recognises the fear in Andros and he's aware of how that's made him feel and he's also aware of how it can hurt other people. So he is going to try to find this button and if he can, press it. Press the button suck him so into, that, the, so that we go into the shoot away from this immediate area so this sounds like an act under pressure roll so Ali's, Ali's just a flat flat zero I rolled a nine a nine okay well that's a success but is a mixed success so the cost is that in activating the whirlpool and sucking down the chute hoping that you could get away you actually both get taken down the chute into this atrium area love it the opening is closer to Andros's end, so I think I might be able to, if I'm prepared for it, widen myself, block off the tunnel, something like that. Maybe you're thinking, with blue tie's help, we'll be able to, yeah, bow tie, blue form, this is temporary. No, blue tie, that's perfect. Blue tie was, you know, maybe trying to like flap away, but realizes halfway through that actually, even though blue tie is blue, they're still wings and not suited to swimming at all. And maybe both of you get sucked down into the whirlpool chute as well. So actually on the surface of this watery biome, there's a suction, there's a swirling and then calmness. The water level obviously depleted, but the two combatants who everyone in the audience saw now disappeared into this atrium area. Brandy, you obviously see this on the screens. Uh, what are you doing down in the contestant area? I feel like she's got a bit of a decision to make because she obviously also knows that the paladins are around as well. So she knows that obviously other stuff's going to happen and she doesn't actually know where Kenny's gone because she doesn't know about the secret passage. I think she decides probably the most important thing is to go get her Pokemon back. <laughs> She'll probably ask at the desk if Baneri and Skaroopy are all right. Skaroopy... Well, Gary and Wimpy, the Baneri, have both been put through a Pokemon Center machine by Teddy the Ursaring. And I think they're waiting in a, in a collection area, sort of the end of a Starbucks area where people wait for their coffees. They're in a cuddle therapy area with the other Pokemon losers who fainted <laughs> and they're just sort of hugging each other just to be like, I know we lost, but it's fine. It's all right just to be you. And if, if that's losing one Pokemon match, that's that's it. Okay, great. So yeah, so they're, they're okay. They've been healed up by the wonderful technology of Pokemon Center and its associated computers. Um, I burst in. <laughs> Whoa! Gary! Wimpy! We got a job! Let's go! <laughs> Oh my god, there's a Haxorus in here! <laughs> <laughs> you can come too, bud! I need you later. I guess we're on the same team now. But guess you're my Pokemon. Oh well. So I've got a Haxorus you now. you got a Haxorus. Okay, great, great. <laughs> I don't. I obviously don't. I just take my Pokemon. Okay, great. I'm so not a thief. You take your Pokemon. Where are you headed? Have you uh, got anyone with you? Yeah, I, I think actually, yeah. What, what Brandy does, once she gets the Pokemon back, she sort of goes to the trainer area and I don't know why but I'm assuming that everyone else is on deck chairs just relaxing does anyone else have in, that in the contestant area in the contestant area you know where everyone's waiting I sure. just imagine there are like deck chairs yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's like well, who've we got with it we've, we've got Hannah we've got Bash we've got Barnaby we've got Hedrold I don't think Squash Mallet hung around after her match I'd like to contest it but I think you're right <laughs> she's I... not there but she's somewhere else <laughs> and we'll probably find out later Deus Ex Squash Machina okay <laughs> yes uh, Carlos maybe is there as well Heron is there on the other side of the room absolutely I think Brandy saw Andros going a bit crazy just before he jumped in the thing right Brandy knows stuff's going down so I think she says 
Everyone, quick, listen, listen up right now. This is really serious. What? I think something's gonna happen to Kenny. I can't see him on the screen anymore. Where did he go? Oh, we need to split up and find him. Don't, don't. Tims, Brand you take the left. Brandy, Brandy, calm down. You take down. the other branch. Um, are you sure? He Hedrills, you go down into the reception bit, find something else. Say, Brandy, this sounds awfully sudden all of a sudden. You know what, Hedrold? <laughs> this will make a great story though one day. You uh, wait. Brandy, you're right, you're right. I think we can make this a roll. So roll plus assertive. Assertive, surely. Yeah. And plus one at assertive. Oh. So I rolled a five. Oh. Plus one. Oh. Fail. That's a fail. That's an outright fail. Okay. I think the hard move has something to do with the paladins. Because that's the other large threat that we've established mm. thus far. Can I suggest something paladin based? That people start to move towards the exits. Paladins come up and block their way. Oh, paladins in the contestant area. I think potentially. Okay, so we've got paladins everywhere now. They're like Durant's. They're just everywhere. That's nice. So Brandy gets people up for it. Yeah. I think, well, she gets, as is classically with a fail, you only get Barnaby, Tims and Head rolled up for it, <laughs> which is what we've established is what happens when you don't succeed. <laughs> I think also there's a cutting put down from Heron as well. Give us one reason we should listen to a loser like you. I'm not a loser. I lost one fight. Oh, I'm sorry. So you lost the fight, but you're not a loser. Well, I, I beat a 10-year-old in the forest earlier. I didn't wasn't, see that. It wasn't televised. That was not televised. Nobody witnessed that because it didn't happen. You know what? You're a very negative influence right now, Heron. And you know what? You're quite a strong trainer. So it would be very helpful if you actually decided to be helpful. Helpful Use with what? Your delusions? Delusions? And then Brandy walks towards the door. We need to... A paladin blocks the door. Simultaneously, up in the water biome, Theo, you see two paladins blocking the exit to this biome. Ain't no monorail gonna be escaping this room. Not while these guys are here, because they're also on the monorail door, which... Is which, a separate door. A separate door. Their Pokemon is blocking that one, and it's... A Golurk? Yes! How does it sound, Stu? It's sort of a, a runic, ghosty... Golurk! I got the runic, but not the ghosty. <laughs> one more time? <laughs> Go look. Yes, better, yeah? better, but not runic enough. Oh no, I lost the runic, but gained the ghost. It's a, it's a tough one, go look, but you know, we'll, we'll figure out one of them. We'll work. workshop it, we'll workshop it. So let's say they both have a go look. Maybe they're just holding the front of the monorail. I was gonna, I was gonna propose, could the judge's container, in whatever way it is, actually just be, be the, the monorail? monorail. Yeah, yes, and it just, great. it literally just like goes on a track and goes <laughs> off. But there are just go looks stood around tracks that normally we Lock would be it. carried on. This is what's happening, Theo. What are you doing? You've just seeing Kenny disappear. There's a murmuring in the crowd. People are starting to leave. I think we've had the winner announcement because we saw the end of the Pokemon battle. But because we haven't seen the two contestants since the battle ended, there's not been a clear indication of who's next, what biome to go next to. So I think people are sort of trying to start to leave. Theo, in your judge's box, Golux on the track, Paladins yeah. at the door, what do you do? First of all, I don't think that Theo even immediately notices the Golurk Paladin threat. I think that their gaze was so focused on everything happening at the pool, at everything happening there, at the mild chaos, that it's Asta that alerts Theo Great. that something is dragging them back from the supernatural obsession. Theo, your note, the Paladins, they're here. Right, yes. Um, I don't, I don't mean to call, call upon a debt at any time, but this is sort of the situation I needed help with earlier, if you could help at all. Do you know anything about hot wiring monorails? Funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> Could any of your Pokemon help? If it's like an electromagnet floating train system rather than on rails, or if there is maybe sort of a symbolic rail. Can it, can it run on Magnemites? But if it's being levitated, then having a psychic Pokemon would be of benefit in this situation because we can look at maybe using telekinesis rather than electricity and magnets so yes, let's say the monorail is floating on electromagnetic maglev yes. stuff, but the actual propulsion definitely could be affected by some kind of psychic yeah. influence. Because if it's kept on a relatively solid track of magnets, there would still be the ability that it is floating to exactly. be able to freeball it. Yeah, okay, I love it. And we have also briefly discussed that 
Aston might have a psychic Pokemon herself. Okay. In the form of a Brakeson, so... Let's go for it. Aston releases Brakeson. You release Meditime. What does this look like? Everybody inside this cabinet is confused. In part, we're confused because they can tell that this is clearly the centre point of whatever the Paladins are looking for, because the Golurks are here. They can see that the staff are slowly but surely moving and combing through the room whilst some still remain on the door. And they can also tell that... Theo is still dressed as a paladin, but I don't think anybody's really talking about it. I think maybe Professor Honey's there going, Astro, what's going on? There seem to be a lot of paladins. Uh, uh, what about Mr. Calico? Could you... Mr. Calico? Calico is not in the room. And then suddenly there's just two crackles of light, two Pokemon appear, and the two calmest people in the room, almost wordlessly, yeah. have just released these two Pokemon, look at each other, and there's a kind of Thelma and Louise nod. Okay, great. So we're going to get you to roll... Methodical. Seven plus two, so a nine. Nine, great. Okay, so this succeeds at a cost. The maglev train lurches into life as Brakeson waves a small wooden wand. A whoosh of purple psychic energy affects the train. Meditite as well releases palms and just, I think, another push into the air. And this train, which you're used to lurching slightly with every acceleration, suddenly lurches a great deal to the extent that people who are present on the train, so Candy, Professor Honey, yourself and Asta, and the two released Pokemon, have to grab onto the side or else fall a little bit. As it lurches past the Golurks, the Golurks get flung at the side of the track. The Maglev train now is, is moving, but it's got its own momentum now. It's getting faster. Maybe it's caused by the sudden collision just knocks breaks and, and meditate out of their psychic moment. And so now the train is just being controlled by whatever forces are still carrying it. So there's no longer any autonomy over this. Cut to Kenny in the atrium with Andros. So you've just clattered down into the fountain and Andros shot by the fall not expecting it. Knowing there is a fall, what are you doing to try and slow yourself or, or break the fall a little bit? How wide is the pipe? Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory wide. Yeah. Would I be able to slow myself by sort of pressing my hands up against it? Okay. It's more of a forceful roll. Oh, nope. I rolled a six. Minus one, that's a five. So that is that is a fail. So I think as you land, you collide with part of the fountain. I think you take a point of harm. Bowtie is, is desperately trying to cling on to you. As you're both rolling, you and Bowtie's eyes are the only things that can connect and just about keep you stable as you roll to a stop, face to face. Somewhat romantic. Somewhat. And I think in the adjoining room, which is the contestant area, Brandy, you've just had your path blocked by one paladin. What are you doing? Uh, excuse me, please. I just need to get through. I need to go up to the uh, the judge's room, if that's okay. I'm sorry. This room is now off limits. What? Why? I don't have to tell you why. It's off limits. Uh, I think you do, because you're not in charge here. Says who? Says the fact that we're not surrounded by pictures of slow king. The fact that we're not in a place where books are locked away in large chests behind bars. And I think they... Inside they, acid. They just slam down their bow staff... <laughs> And they just give you a look. There's a malice to it. Don't push. One moment then. And I walk back to the, the group. And I okay. say, guys, guys, team huddle. Does anyone come? Uh, I think Bash comes. I yes. Think Barnaby and Hedrol come. Hannah looks like she wants to come, but... You come over here. Huddle. Mean... I said a huddle. Do you mean me? Yep, yep. Okay. Carlos? Yes. <laughs> what was that? I'm Dutch and also Hispani. Wait. We do have a Dutch listener, so bear yeah, wait, that in wait. mind. Oh, wait. <clears throat> Carlos here? Perfect. Speaking? What do you want from me, the great Carlos? Heron, are you coming? No! Okay, predictable. Sure. Bash, your brother, really? He needs to... I know, he's such, he's such a loser. He's awful. Right, we're being kept in a room. Okay. And Tell me more! God, I'm excited. This has been the best day ever. I know, Hedron. Like boarding school. How are we going to escape this room? Are there any other doors? Can we look around? Are there any other? Uh, yeah, that sounds like a roll, mate. Sounds like you're checking a place out. So roll plus exploratory. It's a seven. Okay, you get to ask one question. What happened here recently? What is about to happen? What happened here recently? You were just watching the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Please use that question. Uh, what Pokemon is nearby? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who, what is really in control here? 
What here is not what it appears to be. How much says, think about it, guys. What here is useful for us? And then one of the people can respond with the answer. Okay, maybe Hannah, who's been like totally quiet up until this point, hasn't like interacted very much. Hannah, for the listeners, was the small, poor looking girl from Surfloat Square. Eponine from (laughs) Surfloat Square. So Hannah, I think, responds saying, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's the secret entrance into the tree. I overheard that that strange, odd, accented groundskeeper person earlier. Bash, stop talking. We're talking to Hannah. <laughs> wait, wait is, that a, is that a slight on my inability to do various female voices? A little bit. A little bit? Thanks, Tom. Thank you. So that was Bash. Hannah, let's give her something. Give her a quirk. A little vo- vocal quirk. Is she Welsh? I can't do Welsh. I can try. Or give her a lisp. A lisp? Oh, that's so cute. Ah, Ali, thank you, man. That's perfect. Okay, well, I was I was listening to the um the groundskeeper here. Uh, he was he was talking to a a, a black haired fellow. Um, looked quite intense. Had a bow tie. I don't think either of them know I was listening to, but they uh they mentioned something about a secret passageway. way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What did you say? <laughs> a secret passageway. I'm sorry. I didn't get it that a time. A secret. Pathis way. That's very rude of you, Barnaby Timms. Okay. I, I know that not all of us can afford elocution lessons. Yeah. But, um, thanks for that. Thanks for reminding me. So, secret entrance. That's right. right. Where is the secret entrance? I wish I knew, but it is here somewhere. So if we all look closely enough, but without alerting the attention of that strange, um, intimidating-looking person over there, maybe we can find a way out. I think that's a plan. Team. Yes. Break. No, don't have a break, got but it. just as in like we're breaking so away five, to... 10? What are, what are you Also, thinking? keep it on the down low. The Let's, DL. So got it. Nice and quiet. Pedral, DL. Yes. As in we're not talking Shh. about it. Not, not talking. Thinking. Looking. Cut to Theo and co on the runaway maglev. I think the first person to break the awkward, tense silence, and yet we are also all trying to stop careening about this train carriage, (laughs) is Honey, because she's probably shocked the most by Aster doing this. Aster! What is going on? You know that I'm not the sort of person who usually cares about doing things spontaneously, Professor Honey, but I think now is the time. Can we have a moment where, like, they kind of get flung together closely yeah. and there's that moment where honey's like oh okay and Asta's like i didn't mean that i didn't mean that at all what i meant is <sighs> paladins are after theo i don't understand their true intention at all there is something amiss something's wrong they've invaded the tree i knew there was one i didn't know there were several honey aster i can see them on all of the screens it looks like there are paladins swarming all over the building and i don't know where those two contestants have gone and We're careering out of control. If I may. Please, Theo. We are trapped in this room. I need you all to listen to me very carefully Mm. while I try and explain to you why you need to be on my side and not on the paladins. Go, Lurks. Keep hitting the windows and bouncing (laughs) off. Okay. Could you please try and do it quickly before we all start throwing up? Currently, the problem is that the paladins think that I am responsible for the destruction of the church in Surfloat, which wasn't because of me. It was because of a strange team of piratical villains who decided to fire cannons that destroyed the place that was once my home. There's no reason why I would have destroyed it. It was the place that was the most important to me in the world. And also, if you keep me around an incredibly expert member of the Church of Slaslo, I can assist with the crazy goings-on around us, which seem to be affecting this school and particularly this school. You need me. You need to protect me. This sounds like a roll. So let's go for plus. What do we think? Persuasive? Assertive? Persuasive? persuasive. I think persuasive more yeah. than assertive. Six. <laughs> maybe, maybe the hard move is that instead of them not being convinced by your words, your very eloquent and convincing words, maybe it's something to do with the, the, the Maglev train and the actual mm. situation you're in. They hit a Golurk in the desert biome, but this Golurk, because it's in the desert biome, has managed to use a bit of the sand or something to develop some kind of ground-based mud slap barrier as the Maglev is approaching. And as it careens into this Golurk, yes, the Golurk is sent flying off, but it dislodges the Maglev enough, just as you're coming to the end of your speech, that it sends the Maglev flying, crashes into the desert dune. It comes to quite a violent halt. 
I think there are some injuries, obviously. Yeah, I think you take a hard on Theo. I also think as a hard move on Theo, Aster is unconscious and <gasps> it looks bad. Oh, so Aster's more seriously injured. In the crash, it looked like Honey was about to go flying, but Aster stepped in the way <gasps> and took took the hit. Love it. You, you see all this happen in a split second. And within a moment, Aster is 10 paces away from the maglev train. There's some hurried footsteps in the sand uh, and you see Honey on top of her. Esther, Esther, babe, wake up, what's going on? Don't joke on me like this, this isn't the time, this isn't the time, what's happening? What do you do? Theo knows that at this point there's no point in trying to run or trying to move. The most important thing is to keep these people on side. And so Theo also goes over to Aster and tries to shake a very hysterical honey and says, I think we both know that this has to be our priority right now. We need to save her. Okay, as in you're trying to convince Honey to get out of the... To get out of the, the hysteria. hysteria. Just okay. like, we need to figure something out. Again, I want another role for this. So okay. let's give you... Let's, this one's more, more assertive, though. It's more like, yes. listen to me, stop this now. Okay, yeah. roll me. Eight plus one. Oh, nine. nine. Okay, yes. Yeah. So she, she snaps out of um, days she was in. You look back at Candy, and she has released a Pokemon that has softened her fall. What Pokemon do we think Candy's used? Wigglytuff? Great. Uh, I think they're both the Wigglytuff and, and Candy are heading over to you to see what's going on. The the entrance to the, the desert biome opens. Maybe it's like Cave of Wonders, Aladdin style. A giant lit Leo head just opens up. <laughs> <laughs> and I think through come all the upstairs paladins. This is the majority of them, and they're led by the paladin who is wearing the clothes that Theo was originally in, and you're now wearing their paladin uniform. Mm. Their ball toys. Spinning around their head angrily. Angrily, the, the staff held in a sort of combative stance. Theo actually has that person's staff. Thank you. Takes a staff off one of the of the lower ranking paladins, yanks it off them. Hey, that's my favourite. Okay, sorry, boss. It's my staff now, Durin. That's not my name. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Didn't take the time to learn it, though, so. Everybody's called Durin. All of you. Well, I'm, a, I'm actually. No, you're, you're I'm Durin. I'm actually called Durin, so it's. <laughs> What? You're calling well, see, everyone after me. See, I knew you. This this is Jiren. Oh, I'm touched. I want oh, your okay. staff. Jiren, give me your staff. Well, then you've got two staffs. I want two staffs. Staves. Oh, sorry, boss. There is a woman dying here. <laughs> Where is Theo? Theo's there. <laughs> I see them. Yeah. Theo is right there. <laughs> this is a desert. There is literally nothing blocking my view. Theo, we've come to collect you, you notorious villain. Come quietly, and nobody else has to be hurt. Well, I hate to surprise you there, but we've already started hurting people. Well then, we, we, we're throwing down, Theo. You Great. and I, let's go. All right. I what the hell are you doing in, in my trainer academy? Look what you've done. Oh, I see. The professor of, of clouds is going to stand against the palace. We have a job to do here, madam, with respect. So let us get on with it. You have showed very, very little respect so far. Oh, I so see. I don't know why you're going to start now. Honey takes the Pokeball off her yes! belt. She throws it. All right, and Candy's like, yeah, I'm doing this too. And yeah! yeah! Okay, so we'll have a three-on-three three poker battle between Durin, Durin, and what's the name of the uh, administrative paladin? Can I suggest that they are both called Durin, and then the other one is Lebon? So it's like Duran, Duran, and Simon Lebon. <laughs> yeah, I love nice. it. Durin, Durin, and Lebon. How should we do this? I don't know if it's interesting to play out on Showdown Candy and Honey's battles. Let's roll some two d sixes, see how they fall, and narrate the scene as that kind of works. Yeah. What Pokemon does Professor Honey have? Can I suggest that seeing as they're in the desert biome, one of them immediately flares up a sandstorm, seeing as she's weather Oh, because for the weather effects. Oh, <gasps> okay, okay. So maybe Honey has... The one with like sand veil or something that instantly like... Kapowdon? Yeah. So Professor Honey releases this impressive looking black toned, dark 
charcoal Hippalden, which starts releasing this this violent sandstorm sand veil into the air that starts getting into the eyes of, of those around them. Professor Honey pulls down her yellow top hat just above her eyes and she has two eye slots. So goggles were on the hat and instead yes. of pulling the goggles down over her face, she just pulls the entire hat down. Candy's got the wiggly tuff, yeah. but the wiggly tuff looks tough. Yeah, I imagine it's the most masculine thing that anybody has ever seen. It's, it's got an anchor tattoo on his arm. <laughs> and after the train crash, it literally just carried Candy. Yeah. Like she was. It's like, a really swole wiggly tuff. Yeah. I think as well, you notice that Candy released the wiggly tuff from an extreme ball. Love it. The extreme ball is basically the master ball, right? So Candy used the master ball on an iggly buff. Hey, it, it might have been a wild jiggly. Maybe it's a shiny. It's a shiny! Oh, what is, I want to see what Wiggly Tuff's shiny looks like. Let's be cool. It's just a deeper shade of pink. But yeah. So no one knows it's a shiny. It might be a shiny. <laughs> I think Candy maintains that it's a shiny. <laughs> yeah, it's shiny. Sure. Of course it is. That's why I used the extreme ball. It's got green eyes. Oh, it has got green eyes. People say that they're contacts, though. No one <laughs> believes it. So she's relieved this tough-looking Wiggly Tuff. There's a Hippowden on the other side. And what are you releasing? Really I'm going with Kabuto. Oh, the ancient Kabuto, rock-faced. And the three paladins charge down the sand dune. Laban, dual staves in hand. Baltoy taking the lead, kicking up some sand and dust as they look to engage. Who's that Pokemon? Hello, fair credits. Is that a canonized nickname for you? Hello, I'm Carrie. I am talking to you from the future. Is this Pokemon or Mario Kart? Anyway, I edited the Rain Dance Remasters and Stu and Tom tasked me with doing episode six and seven of the remasters. So you might hear me again, depending on whether the midsection in episode seven is also horrifically outdated, because in case you're listening from the beginning and don't know, this midsection is a talk about Dexit, about Sword and Shield and how there wasn't going to be a possibility for every single Pokemon to be caught or traded in Sword and Shield, and that caused a big upheaval. But that happened like three years ago, maybe more, maybe less. So it's it's not exactly, you know, current trending. Stu said I could just take this opportunity to take over a little bit, which, you know, it was a lot of trust and I appreciate that. And now I'm gonna let Evil Wisma out of their cage and we're gonna wreak havoc. Hee <laughs> hee. No, in all seriousness, I think Stu assumed I would say something like quite maybe administrative or quite goofy, but I think I wanted to actually take this moment to be quite earnest in saying that Critical Ditto has changed my life for the better. I made friends for life doing it. I'm even getting a tattoo on my ankle of the extreme ball. So if any evil team fancies controlling me for their Pokemon army, I don't have any Pokemon powers, but they sure will be able to control me via my tattoo. And the Critical Ditto team have been very supportive of me over the years, like when I had my essay for my radio course, Tom and Stu spoke with me about their process. And even though that has evolved over the years, the fact that they were so keen and happy to help me with my studies and have got me to where I am today is humongously appreciated. And so I want to firstly thank the Critical Ditto cast. They work incredibly hard at what they do and I cannot appreciate them enough. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of people that listen to the show that they have brought a ray of sunshine, a ray of hope and a lovely hug to everyone that's had a very tough time right now. I think I know a lot of the listener base or at least the very active listener base are part of maybe the LGBTQ community, maybe neurodiverse, maybe so many things. And this wonderful show has brought so many of us together and any show that does that I think has such a tremendous power. I mean I've said this already like quite a few times but thank you to Tom, Stu, Ali and David for creating a wonderful show that has been in our hearts for many years and who knows what the future holds but I hope we can still support you in your future endeavours. <laughs> Let's go back to the past! Who's that Pokemon? Oh, no. It's Gola! 
Laban is charging at you, Theo. How do you respond? Theo sees this as a dual combat situation. Bored at this point of trying to play diplomat, tries to conjure another will-o'-wisp to just go right at Laban. And is Kabuto doing anything? I think Kabuto and Baltoy are locked. Do you think they both took a look and they both dived into the sand? Oh, it's nice. an underwater Ooh, tunnel yeah. fight. Nice. Okay, so roll yes. a tunnel fight. <laughs> roll a calculating roll, please. Okay. Seven plus two, so nine. Nine, okay. Uh, nine of the night. Okay, great. So yes, so you managed to summon this will-o'-wisp spell using your conduits, conduits and you fire out this wispy thing which attaches itself to Lebon's rope, your robes, mm. and starts burning through them. I suppose the, the small cost is that I think Lebon gets close enough. The, the flame is catching on Lebon's cloak a little bit, and in trying to sort of throw the cloak off, actually catches you with one of the staves and knocks you to the floor. So I'm I'm knocked to the floor. Yep. There is a person with a with a rod. Large rod. Above me. Two large rods. I think as well. That's <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> you also see Professor Honey and the Powdon going at it with one of the Durans. Candy on the other side. Wigglytuff is doing some serious work. Mm. Like I think maybe one of the other Durans has a manky, and Wigglytuff is just chucking it around, blocking karate chops here, left and centre. The manky goes for a low kick. Wigglytuff's wise to it, not letting anything through the defences. Laban just goes for a, you know, I'm going to end this in one strike and goes for a sort of downward strike towards your head. What do you, how do you react? If Theo is this strong, maybe Theo just goes to smack that stave and break it in two. I mm. think anything else is going to be too, is going to be too jazzy at this moment in time. Okay, that give me a forceful slash aggressive. Seven plus zeros. So seven, so yeah. So seven. So yes, the stave comes down, but it connects with the fist of Theo, shatters. The punch continues through. Lebon looking at this broken stave now, kind of terrified at the strength that they're seeing. But I think the cost is that the, the, the stave itself was harder than you thought. Mm. So add another harm mm. to your harm you track. Harm the first yeah, time. during the crash. Okay, so you're feeling the effects of this fight now a little bit. Your muscles are aching. Your skin is torn in a, a couple of places. Lebon has been sort of on the offensive so far. Yeah. There's a small opening after you've shattered the, the rod. What do you do? Theo is terrified by this moment of engaging with the physical strength that they fled everything to try and hide. Mm -hmm. And Theo's exhausted, Theo's tired. Theo goes, I'm going to leave a Pokemon to do this. So I think Theo throws out Meditite in an attempt to then escape back to Aster, who they haven't checked on. Feels like a methodical move. Cool. Roll plus methodical, please. God, I've never felt so much, never felt so much pressure in my life. 10 plus 2, a 12. Lebon gives you a, an, an opening, a tiny second, and in a flash you release this Pokeball. Meditite's out. This is an official sanctioned battle. You can have two Pokemon out at the same time. Why mm -hmm. not? Kabuto's handling Baltoy, and Meditite comes out, flies forward, slightly hovering off the ground, and just palm connects and sends Lebon flying backwards, does a couple of backwards rolls. Lebon gets up and then they go towards the Meditite again. Suddenly, Kabuto appears yeah. with, and just sort of chucks the limp Baltoy nice. towards them. Lebon definitely clutching their midriff, kneeling in the sand, their fainted Baltoy uh, mm. at their feet. After Kabuto appears, Meditite flips through the air and lands on the top of Kabuto as if it's their steed. Yeah. And, uh, I, th and I think Meditite... I'm not sure how Kabuto <laughs> feels about this, but... It's non-consensual, but it looks bloody cool. Currently in the moment. <laughs> so they're both, they're both there as Theo goes over to, to Asta. Where I imagine Brakeson is just attempting something. Yeah, maybe attempting some kind of just stabilisation. Cauterising some wounds yeah, with, yeah. with an ember. Brakeson's doing a good job, but as far as you can tell, Asta is still not regaining consciousness. Mm -hmm. What do you, Theo, do or say in this moment? I think Theo realises for them there's no point in trying to fix anything here. Theo has a knowledge of potions to a degree, but there's there's nothing here. There's mm, no resources mm. to be able to make anything. There's no fermented hyper potion. There's nothing that can be used. But I think in Theo's mind, they remember that there was an emergency way of getting out of the water biome. So maybe there is an artificial system of getting out of the desert biome as well. That's good Presumably thinking. there must be an evacuation system for getting out of here. Theo's seen Kenny and Andros magically disappear. Obviously, Theo is smart enough to know they didn't magically disappear. There was an exit somewhere, so there should be an exit in the other I love biome it. as well, mm. I so think, yeah. Do we think it's sort of... Exploratory? Yeah, exploratory. exploratory. Uh, six and three, nine plus one, ten. Ten? Oh! Mm. Man alive, I'm getting threes for the rest of the arc. Yes! 
That is a full success. Your brain, Theo, is telling you that, yes, this release must exist. In Theo's mind at this moment, Theo is remembering the acolyte that died in front of them in the tower. And remembering that moment of complete helplessness, of being in a situation where there's nothing that can be fixed. And then remembering the slow king in the mind palace saying, sometimes it's all right not to know. But how is it all right not to know when this person, the only person who's been on their side, is looking to be slipping away as well? And then Theo just punches the ground, but the hand keeps slipping through the sand. So it's almost at random. Yeah. Against almost everything that Theo knows about the world. About having to have knowledge and research to understand things. It's like, this was unknowable, and yet I knew where to punch. Yes. And Theo punches through the sand, connects with some kind of button. And just as Meditite and Kabuto are retreating back towards you, this hole in the sand starts opening, and Asta starts descending into this, this tube. You, Asta, Meditite, Kabuto down into some unknown region. We're cutting to Kenny in the atrium. You're dazed, you're confused, you've been knocked to the floor, and there's a slightly harmed but still unstable Andros at the the foot of the fountain. What do you do? Frey? Frey? Magic lady, can you hear me? I'm calling her to see if she comes. I'm just going to hope. There's no response. Ah, ducklet. What's Andros doing? Andros is unable to contain this psychic malaise anymore and fires some kind of confusion, Cybebe-esque thing into the cast form experiment chamber that Theo had been in earlier. Shatters the glass on this experimentation chamber and this fog and wind and rain or whatever was in that chamber at the time starts to pour into the room. And I think some cast forms start panicking and sort of flood into the room as well. Cast, cast form, there's a lot of like random weather effects. I think the machine that was kind of controlling the, the weather effects in the other room has been damaged now and is starting to look unstable. What do you do? How far away from Andros am I? Yeah, like five meters. Right. This is bad. So Kenny is going towards the area of all the contestants. Kenny picks up Rowlet because he doesn't want to lose him in the fog. Rowlet! And they charge towards the holding area. And throw open the doors. Oh, it sounds almost like a forceful thing. You're like charging through, running into the doors. Can I have you make a forceful roll, please, Kenny? What, are these doors locked? They're not locked, but there is something on the other side. What's my forceful? Just a zero. In that case, Stu, I rolled a measly 12. What? Oh, so good. Physical violence. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny, as as you're charging towards this contestant area... I don't know if it's the fear of the weather-based effects behind you, possibly the, the horrendous fear of seeing someone as unstable as you know you've been in the past, not willing to hurt people, but unable to stop themselves hurting people. But something floods your body with this insane amount of adrenaline. You grab Bowtie the Rowlet, almost too hard, and sort of squeeze as your, as your muscles flare into this, you know, hyper-athletic life. And you start charging. Your arms are moving like pistons as you careen towards this door. It's closed, but that doesn't bother Kenny. Kenny doesn't care anymore. Would you say that Kenny like Andros was abnormally strong in this moment. Yes, you feel your muscles flare, your veins turn a little bit black. It's like the blood that has been flowing to your muscles has turned into this dark, pulsy energy. And yet you power into this door and the paladin who'd been blocking the door is absolutely flat on their face. But you are now in the atrium. Brandy, you see this occur. So I think Brandy, when she sees Kenny, I think runs up and gives him a hug. Aww. Just gives him a hug. But then it's like, ow, ow, my ribs, ow, shouldn't have done that, ow, oh, I'm in a lot of pain. But thank you for the painkillers, they really helped. Brandy, this this is the guy, this is is he, this is the one who was talking to the groundskeeper. Brandy, little girl, everyone, we need to get out of the tree. The weather Pokemon next door, they're about to explode. Okay, so yes, you hear and possibly see now through the Kenny-shaped hole, the cast form freaking out, Andros is still in there freaking out. It is just a cavalcade of chaos in there. Mm. What are we going to do about, we, we can't just leave him in there. Who, Andros? Yeah. Well, I say, Brandy, why not? Clearly, that, that, that fellow is dangerous. No, but, but guys, the way out is through the atrium. It, we have to go past him to get out. We've got to do something to help him. Well, can't we just sneak past? Sneak? 
That's not a bad idea. <laughs> Let me tell you, me and Ninkata can be super stealthy. I tell you that for sure. For one thing, that's I say too much. I don't know though. Me and me and my ducklets, a couple of smiles, like to make a big entrance. So tough for us to be sneaky. Dark. Sometimes I can salsa my way past just anybody if I like. Oh, Carlos, you have to <laughs> teach me that salsa one day. I'm also really small, so I might be able to sneak by if you want. There is a lot of a lot of fog in the room next door. We could be concealed in the fog. Tell you what. I'll deal with Andros. You guys go. <gasps> I say, Kenny, you would you would deal with that malcontent. Barnaby. You're the biggest hero I've ever met, Kenny. It's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Right, this way, follow me. So what you're just kind of trying to sneak by? Let's let's do this two separate roles, because obviously Kenny has said he will handle Andros, whatever that means. So let's start with Brandy and the gang. What are you doing? I'm letting the gang go and follow, but I'm gonna try and carry the paladin out and I'm going to ask Heron to help. What do you say to Heron? Heron mate, it's time to go and I really need help with this person. I don't understand what's happening right now, but I don't want to leave with you. We've got to get out! It's fine, Brandy. He'll explode if he doesn't leave. Kenny just casually says that as he calmly walks past. I will not explode! I'm a powerful Pokemon trainer. Por Porygon will pr protect me, right? From an explosion. Uh, fine! But if I get if I get hurt, I'm blaming you. I think Heron reluctantly agrees. Oh, how about Heron's like, not sure, and then maybe his sister, Bash, oh, is nice. like... Heron, what would mum do? And Heron, just there's a look on his eyes, and he just reluctantly takes the paladin. Not looking at you, like looking sideways. Can we just also give Hannah and Bash a Pokemon that is assisting in this situation? For Hannah, I quite like a Litwick. I love a Litwick. Which cool. would also be useful for guiding a way through fog. Litwick. And Bash releases... Well, she's from a rich family, isn't she? An Eevee? Go for the Eevee. We'll go with Eevee. Eevee. You're all heading into the the haze of the other room. Brandy, I guess you're taking the lead. To if try and guide us if out. If you're rolling for the gang, what are you guys doing? Uh, we're basically just trying to stick to the edges and go round back through to the reception area. So you guys are rolling... I'm going to say reflexive roll. Five... Plus two. Hey! Seven. Thank goodness. <laughs> really so, scraping these rolls. <laughs> you managed to get everyone else out just as you're about to leave the room. Andros fires off a blast of something, or a cast form fires off a blast, and the traditional door to the reception area just gets blocked off. There's like some falling rubble, or a bit of tree branch falls and blocks you in the room. Kenny, what are you doing? I'm going to run up to Andros, and I'm just going to attempt to drag him out. Oh, like physically or mentally? I'm just going to run up to him, hold out a hand and go... Andros, stop. Roll me a persuasive roll. Oh my goodness! Oh, it's an 11. Oh, okay. You form some kind of link with him. Both of you just stop still. Andros's mind and your mind are just linked for a second, and suddenly you're in Andros's mind palace. A dominant Golduck is in Andros's mind palace, and that Golduck is freaking out talking with Andros's voice a little bit. As it's a room that's slowly filling with water. Slowly filling with water. Maybe not water, but like, I don't know, this black sludge or something that obviously God yeah, like can't a, breathe. Like a toxic-y water. Yeah. It's like brown and mushy. And suddenly, yeah, Kenny, you, Tukey and Scolopede are on your, on your shoulders. Mini versions. Like tiny Tukey and tiny Scolopede. <laughs> Can I give you guys Tukey and Scolopede? They're both Irish. One's just a good Irish and one's an evil Irish. I could be evil Irish. I feel like you'd be better at evil Irish. Yeah, okay. This is also kind of a sexy evil Irish, because we said Colin Ooh, Farrell. I'll take that compliment. So yeah, Golduck is freaking out in the sludge. You're up to your waist in the sludge as well. Kenny, Tukey, Scolopede, what's happening? Andros, I'm going to try to grab hold of Andros by the shoulder, the arm, whatever's above the sludge. We've got to save him, Kenny. He's an extension of ourselves. I think you should kill the Golduck. <laughs> what are you talking about, Pete? Just throttle it. Throttle the Golduck. Kill no. it. See the light go from its eyes. Yeah, that's so dark. Might I remind you I'm the evil one? I realise that, but it always surprises me. Every time, one day you're going to turn and be like, oh, maybe we should go out for beagles. And I'll be like, oh, that's a great idea, but not today again. Right. <laughs> Do you mean the bread or do you mean the dog breed? I mean both either would be lovely. Help me! I say kill him. Kill him! Save him! Save him! Um, Kenny, what do you do? I, I'm, I'm, he's going to scream at Andros before Kenny is also himself consumed by the sludge. Andros, think of your happiest memory. Oh my god, this is so Patronus right now. The Harry Potter references just don't stop. Let the memory consume you, Andros. And you can defeat this thing that I'm going to assume is called Goldie or Ducky. 
because that's how I named my ones. <laughs> Let's make this Kenny's last roll of the night. Maybe it's a methodical roll, because you're, you're using knowledge that you've used before and applying it in a methodical fashion. Yeah. Uh-oh. That was a five. So I think you're reaching out to Andros, trying desperately to lock eyes with Goldie, but it's just a bit too late, and you just see the sludge overcome this Golduck. Once the sludge goes past the eye line, you realize you can breathe under it, but it's a hole now. You're just in sort of a black expanse of nothing. Hello, Andros? Andros, Tuki. I'll even go for Pete right now. Your old pal Tuki's here. You know, this wouldn't have happened if we killed the gold up. <laughs> we cut to the atrium. Brandy, you see both Andros and Kenny, who have been locked, collapse. You hear an elevator door ding behind you and turn around to see the doors of the elevator which leads up to the biomes above open and reveal a familiar figure. Their distinctive mop of hair now pushed behind their ears, fully revealing the Team Nautilus eye patch beneath, casting his sole visible eye over the unconscious bodies of Kenny and Andros. Calico speaks. I'd say these two were quite impressive candidates. Wouldn't you? I'm a bit worried for Kenny, if I'm honest, folks, because he has been unconscious a lot in the last, what, day? And, you know, I'm kind of thinking he needs to have a sort of head injury check or something, because this can't be good for his health at all. Uh, apologies if this sounds a bit weird. I'm actually recording on my phone this last bit because my mic has gone AWOL. Yes, that's right. I suspect Wisma, but look, I don't want to point the finger too much, but we all know what that uh, that creature thinks of this podcast, and I'll say no more about it. As always, I would like to thank the creators of Pokemon Tabletop United and Pokemon Tabletop Journeys, at the, all the guys over at PokemonTabletop.com. Please go over there, check out their Discord. It's super fun. And if you just want to play some Pokemon, there are some great options over there. Also, love to thank Braxton Burks and the Materia Collective for the use of Canto Symphonies and Johto Legends, which are two amazing albums that you can get on Bandcamp. And just do it. If you've got this far on the podcast, I, I, you've probably done it already. So, you know, broken record at this point. And also, of course, Glitchek City for some banging remixes. Once you've had your fill of that, that symphony, then you move into the harder remixes and then you jump back again. It's a cycle that goes on and on and on. I'd also like to thank, of course, Satoshi Tajiri and Jinichi Masada for, you know, creating Pokemon. Just no big deal. Just, just create Pokemon, whatever. I'd also like to point out that we are a fan-made, not-for-profit podcast with no affiliation to Game Freak or the Pokemon Company at all. Although, you know, if they came a-knocking... You know, we'd, we'd, I could talk. But of course, I'd like to thank you, the listener, and my good friends, Stu, Ali, and David, for recording this podcast and creating this journey. So remember, go catch them all. And by all, I mean your dreams. And I think some cast forms start panicking and sort of flood into the room as well. Cast, cast form! Cast form! Cast form! Cast form! Cast form! Oh my god! Cast form! Oh my god! 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 Oh my god!